Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey everyone, Michelle here. I'm so excited to let you know about Freedom Model International Membership. Get support as you deprogram from the 12 steps and the shackles of addiction recovery. For a low monthly membership fee, you get the Freedom Model online program, which includes our books, our audiobooks, workbooks, and all the additional lessons. You also get the Freedom Model for the Family online program as well. You will get a live members-only two-hour question and answer webinar with Mark and myself the last Wednesday of every month. And each week, we're going to add a new video lesson. We call this the What We Learned This Week series. Lastly, we also have the Freedom Model International monthly newsletter, where we're going to tackle the current events and the latest research for you. All this for just $39.95 per month. You can stay a member for as long as you need, and you can suspend or cancel your subscription whenever you're ready. Go to online.thefreedommodel.org to sign up today. Bar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. We are the co-founders and co-authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions. Yes. And uh, So what are we talking about today? All right. Well, this is something that Mark and I were just debating before. <laughs> we, we, there, we get people a lot who... Um, I guess they're waiting to feel excited or they're waiting for something. When when we talk about the positive drive principle and people always do what they want to do, they never get addicted to something they don't want to do. And that's something we both agree on wholeheartedly. Um, and, but when some of you, when you're trying to change something and we've done a few podcasts on this before, when you want to want to stop, but you still really like this thing that you're doing. Like, how do you move past that? How do you, you know, and what I said to someone uh, in our group recently was, you know, you can choose to do something you still want to choose not to do something that you still like. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. You can choose not to do something you still like. I think I might have said you can still choose to do something that you or choose not to do something you still want to do on some level. Yeah. So, so what we're talking about is, is let's say that you, you still like drinking and drugging at some level and it's a habit Yep. and it's something that, uh, you know, very well and you valued it for maybe 20 years, 10 years, five years, a year, whatever it might be, but it's also highly problematic. Right. Let's, let's frame this out. And you want to want to stop. You want the consequences to end. For but sure, you're, but you're still holding on to the the value and the perceived benefits, many of which are probably false. Yep. Um, and and you want to stop. So now, what the debate me and Michelle were just having um, 
is really not a debate. We were we were going over the debate. Yeah, right? we were. So, so, <laughs> like the, the, he, I said something. He played devil's advocate. We do yeah, that with each other. <laughs> but to, to prep for the for yeah. the podcast. So, um, can you actually stop yourself from doing something you really want to do? The answer is yes, but the important part to figure out is that when you stop, you want that more. Now, that doesn't mean that you're at a place where it's comfortable. So there's this space, this time period where you want the consequences to end. You want the pain to end. You want all the shitty parts of the, the consequences of heavy use to go away. But you also are holding on to a lot of the perceived benefits. Right. And so the question is in this sticky place, you know, how do I, how do you get over that hump? How do you get over that seeming mountain of, I still like it so much. And sometimes one of the things that we push in the freedom model is you have to have a change of mind. You have to have a change in your preference before you can do that. Now, some of this isn't so cut and dry like that. Right. So the freedom model is going to provide you all the information to make that choice and to understand what's going on. But in the end, there is a point where you have to jump off the cliff and say, you know what? I'm just going to stop long enough to figure out if I can like stopping. Yes. And I think to Michelle's point, that's what she's saying is there, there for a lot of us, we have to, I, I remember when Michelle did it. Yeah. She just sat in a garage for like two months, depressed out of her mind because she had stopped use and she felt like she was losing something. But then the realization came that you could be happier. Yeah. Not doing it. Yeah. I, it, it was. You gave yourself the chance. I gave myself a chance. I, I basically, I told Mark, I'm like, I, there's been all kinds of things in my life. I mean, that I'll, I'll think I might want, like, I still like something, but I choose not to do it. Right. Sure. There's, there's all kinds of things. I mean, we do that kind of thing every day where we weigh our options, but when you get something that is a really, it's your go-to thing. It, it was alcohol. I gave up all other drugs and alcohol had became like the only thing in my life that I felt like brought me like some level of happiness. It was the only thing that I had left, but it, the costs were so high at that point that, I mean, I was very physically ill. So, so, you know, I, I was kind of backed into a corner by my health, so to speak. Well, here's what's interesting. So the freedom model provides you all the information to get to the end point where you no longer want or prefer heavy use. Right. What AA does is it never gives you that information. No. So AA provides a place to go to hide from the all-powerful drug. Which, that's that's a good, good way to put it. And feeling deprived the entire time. And it's framed as a valiant attempt against the forces of addiction, right? Your battle and everybody's like, congratulations. And, you know, there's, and the accolades of congratulations and the accolades you get in belonging in a meeting, or the accolades you get are worth the sobriety, the 
just too many well to about five percent <laughs> yeah the price that these people are willing to pay to not drink and drug right okay so it's worth it to them now i'm i'm not the kind of guy and michelle's not the kind of gal who's going to feel deprived of something they want so there had to be something some other way some other method to be able to stop drinking and drugging and right. preferring heavy substance use now took us 27 years to figure all that out. And we put it in a book, but it doesn't take the place. All the information in the world does not take the place of experiencing not drinking and drugging happily. So sometimes you have to get all the information, which people do, and then you have to try it. You yeah. have to give yourself the chance like Michelle did for a couple of months. See, I did the same thing, and then I'm, I'm sorry to commandeer the conversation. I'm just trying to frame it all out here. I did the same thing Michelle did, except I was drinking when I did it. I was drinking, sitting in a room, drinking myself slowly to death, mulling over the fact that alcohol wasn't working anymore and mulling over the fact that I wanted my life to go somewhere better. She stopped drinking and drugging and did that for two months. I did it for three months while I was drinking and drugging, and then I had the car accident, and then I said, voila, I'm done. Right, right. And you did that in the quietness of that garage at Baldwin, mm -hmm. at the Baldwin house, sitting there and saying, you know what, I think I'm going to be happier if I move forward in my life. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at what, what we're, I guess, I guess what we're saying is he wasn't, he weighed his options while he was still drinking, which people do all the time. Yeah. I, really didn't have that opportunity That's right. because I was, because I was so sick. And every time I drank, I was violently ill. And so, you know, I, I knew what stopped me, what kept me not drinking was the fact that if I drank, I would be violently ill. And, um, and so, but, but I spent a couple months and we were going to AA. So I had that added problematic way of thinking. I was already had the, mm. the alcoholic identity. I already had a belief system that I couldn't be happy without it because I was an alcoholic. Right. That's just sheer torture. I, I mean, it so it was two months of feeling like a terrible person, feeling like my life was over. I'm in my early twenties and I have to quit drinking. And when you're in your early twenties, what else is there to do to have fun? Like that was my mindset. And, um, but I, I didn't, but I had taken that option off, off the table for myself because, because I didn't, I, as much as I was suicidal, I didn't want to die apparently. Um, and I knew that I was sick enough where that might happen. So, so you made the choice to stop drinking and drugging because you preferred it, but at the slimmest of margins. Very slim. So that's, that's, that's what I say to people. I'm like, if you look at the hierarchy of happiness, you know, I was down at abject misery and it was one, you know, not drinking was one tiny step up. And, and I remember, I remember where you were at, you're really depressed and see, you can do that and go to AA and it becomes torturous because so there's no other step up. Right. So you're, because they, the, the valiant attempt at going against the all powerful drug is the accolade you get. That's what your life yes, is. Yes. Which I didn't by. give two shits about. Right. Frankly. Which, I didn't want any of that attention, especially because my dad was a guru. And, and I like wanted people to leave me alone. And you wanted something better. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, so what we're offering with the freedom model is something much, much better, but you may be starting at a place where you don't fully understand how to challenge the benefits yet, mm. the perceived benefits. So chapter 17 through 20 or something that you have may have to study deeply. And I want to say something about that really quick. I didn't have that. We didn't know that back then. Mm -hmm. Like I stopped doing it, became curious. That was, that's the best way I can describe it. I'm a curious person by nature. And I became curious about, all right, what, what will my life be like without alcohol? Like I can't even, I couldn't even envision it. I couldn't imagine it, but, but I became curious and, um, but I still kept even in my mind, the benefits, those, those magical properties of alcohol intact and still decided that I was curious to know how I could live without it. Right. So, so that's where you're just, the curiosity was more intriguing yes. than the intrigue of the drug itself, which was a known quantity. It was boring. That exactly. So that that's what I was getting at. So, so you have a couple, you have like basically three options of evolution of change. You have the AA or treatment or recovery society model where you see the drug as the all powerful, all encompassing uh, need that you have to be happy and yeah. that you're going to have a valiant, uh, mission to deprive yourself of that and see it as this battle you're waging for the rest of your life and how hard it is. And you're going to get accolades for your battle and for your success in, in, uh, being treatment compliant. Right. Yep. Um, and going to your therapy and having your support network and doing all the stuff that, that on the surface is going to keep you from this nebulous force called addiction. Then you have uh, where you challenge the benefits in a very efficient way. And I watch guests do this all the time. Oh, yeah. About 62, not about 62.5% of the people that come here challenge the benefits, read the freedom model, go through the lessons with us. And then within four to five weeks, three to five weeks, they completely change because they understand all the information and they were ready for that. They were ready for it. Um, and they have an evolution in their thinking. They evolve out of the problem and they see not using as the obvious answer. But then there's this group of people like Michelle uh, and, and like me the three months prior to quitting where they still have the perceived benefits. Yep. They're challenging them, but they're not quite there. And the consequences and costs are extreme. Yep. They're living in pain. But they don't want the valiant misery of the treatment model. They're like, you know, that doesn't appeal to me. I don't think I can last doing that bullshit. Um, but I'm not where those guys in the freedom model are yet, where I really understand that I can move past this and I'm scared. So there's some sort of mix that may have to take place, which is to Michelle's point, why she wanted to do this, because this population of people, I'd say it's 20% of the people that come to the retreat, oh, yeah. are going to struggle for a bit. And it doesn't have to be that much of a struggle if you frame it this way. Just stop using, and this is where discipline comes in, because when you discipline yourself to, to maybe go against your 
normal nature, which is to get fucked up all the time. Right. Um, you're giving yourself a chance and that's the way you have to frame it because it has to be something positive. If you discipline yourself as being deprived, my God, and you frame it that way continuously, which believe me, I, I did for a little while. Um, but, but it's, but I was an AA at the time. So you're not an AA. You're doing the freedom model. Don't go back and forth. Oh, between the, yeah, God, don't. don't do that. Don't do um, that. Because that is torturous. I instead, you're doing the freedom model. You can frame it in your mind any way that you want. And I mean, you need to know that I was kind of half in, half out of that of, of AA. And I did not do what I was told at all, other than... I didn't go back to drink. That's right. You did the freedom model. You, you I did the you, freedom model. You evolved. I, I did. I moved on with my life and you I didn't evolved. let these people run my life and just kind of threw caution to the wind. And I looked for things to make me happier, period. That's what I did. I looked to move on with my life. And instead of sitting, waiting to feel better. Well, that's, that's it. So, so what we're talking about is giving yourself a chance to experiment with not having the drugs in your system, the substances in your system, and giving yourself the chance, enough time to evolve, yeah. to discover that you can be happier. Now, a lot of people don't do that. They do it for a week and then they go, ah, fuck this. I'm going to go back to the thing I know, the devil I know. So if you're in that, in that place where you haven't fully debunked the perceived benefits it's your your positive drive is always going to look and seek out some sort of better position in your life and if the drug is your better position because you're, you're keeping on to those perceived benefits it's going to be tough but as long as you're working at understanding that their perceived benefits are not real and you discipline yourself to say i'm going to give myself a chance and just that is positive enough yeah. Okay. This is what's important. We're not talking about being deprived here. We're saying frame the experiment as, well, a moving better is better. That's right. You know, that's harm reduction, by the way. This yeah. is harm reduction. Real harm reduction. Real harm reduction is saying, yeah, I'll give myself the chance because I'm capable of that. I don't need a drug. I don't need a substitute drug. I don't need any of this nonsense. I need information and to reframe my entire way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So the question becomes, if you're, if, look at, if you're somebody that is, you go several days, maybe you go a few weeks and you're not drinking and things are getting better and you feel really good. And then, you know, you go out with friends and you have a couple drinks, then you go home and then you're like, oh, I want more drinks. And you have a night and you drink a lot. What you do the next day you know, you can, you can wake up the next day and, and do, you know, and frame it a couple different ways. You can frame it as, which I think a lot of people do when they, when they're struggling as see, I'm, uh, you know, I, I just can't drink like other people. I think a lot of people go there. They go to that catastrophizing yes, yes, uh, of, of yes. a night of doing what you wanted to do. Yeah. You, you changed your mind. You maybe were like, I'm going to go out with friends and have a couple of drinks. It's going to be great. And then you went home and you, you know, maybe started that, that fantasy. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have some more drinks. I'm going to, this going to be better. This is what I do. Um, you changed your mind. It wasn't that you drank more than you wanted. You drank exactly what you wanted. That's right. Okay. But then the next day, maybe you feel like shit. You can be like, you know what? 
why did I go home and drink more? I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. Was that I, I don't want to feel like this. I don't like feeling like this. I don't have to do it again. Yay. You know, I mean, that's called learning. Yeah. That's yes. figuring it out. That's evolving. Yes. So it, so it doesn't it, like, it doesn't set you back. Better is better. That's what Mark was talking about. It, it means I'm, oh, well, that was part of my learning process. And, you know, it's Saturday now and I'm going to have a really great day. And I don't, you know, and I'm not going to drink anything tonight. And then don't. Right. Give yourself the chance. Yeah. In, in <clears throat> when you haven't challenged the perceived benefits adequately, you, you'll know when you have adequately because you'll no longer want it. Right. It, it, it won't be important to you it'll anymore. It'll be easy. It'll be easy. Exactly. But sometimes you need this transitionary period to learn that. But if you're constantly reinforcing it by getting hammered and framing what Michelle just said as catastrophe and then, oh, I'm an alcoholic and oh yeah. my God, I can't stop. And that's all lies. Yeah. That's not reality because what you were doing was trying to find some happiness in something that really can't provide you can't do it for you not in the way you think it is it doesn't have a mind of its own it's not going to take your stress away it's not going to take your anxiety away all these things have to be challenged so we keep going back to that linchpin of course because ultimately if you hang on to the benefits of drinking and drugging in in the extreme ridiculous matrix way it is in our society <laughs> you're going to want it forever Oh, okay. that is for sure. Uh, I, I mean, that's just the way it is. So you, you're, you like everybody else is going, are going to have to come to grips with the fact that these drugs don't provide those, those things. But in the meantime, you don't have to drink yourself to death. No, you, you can, you can stop, run the experiment, give yourself a few weeks to learn the information, let it mull over, try new things, experiment with your life. <clears throat> go on dates, go out, relax, figure out how to be bored without drinking, literally do the things you, you've done or you haven't done. I mean, it all comes down to what you want in life. And if you run those experiments, that's what we did at the Baldwin house. That's it. We, that was it. We went to concerts. We went to every concert at, at our local outdoor venue we did. that <laughs> summer, you know, and all of us were sober doing it. And we realized, oh my God, we can have fun doing that. We went go-karting. We went dirt biking. We bought a bunch of us bought a bunch of, uh, of, of musical instruments. Some guys bought guitars and started playing that. I played drums. I mean, there's so many things that we did. Oh we all went God. back to college. Yeah, we you did. Know? Now we were all young, but the point is every age class has its experimentation. Um, and start living your life without booze and start figuring out if you can be happier. Now that's the discipline I'm talking about because you're giving yourself the chance. And I, I want you to think about, I mean, if you become mindful and even now in our lives when alcohol is inconsequential in our lives, alcohol and drugs are completely inconsequential. It doesn't occur to me at any point in the day that, oh, I should have a drink right now. Like right, ne right. it never me does. Too. Me too. Right. So, but there are throughout your day and any given day, you're, you're struck with different things and different stimuli, right? That that, you know, um, that you choose, well, do I want that or not want that? And our, what we're talking about is, and, and so I want you to think of something that is inconsequential to you. Like, like if somebody brought a plate of cookies and maybe cookies aren't your thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Cookies aren't my thing. Right. So it, you could just, and you would just be like, oh no, I don't want that. 
or maybe you might want one, right? So that's that's what it has to become. And it gets there. It, it gets does. There if you allow yourself. Now, again, let, let me back up. If you're somebody that's very studious and very um, logical, I, I'll get I'll get students here at the retreat that are like that. Yeah. And they get it really quickly because, because it's a learning process, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, what we're doing at the retreat here and in private instruction and in the membership is we're teaching you in an educational fashion. So some people learn that way. Yeah. Uh, then there's people that learn experientially. They get the information, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't quite jive. And yep. I'm, I'm that way too. I'm that way too. I can learn something, but my God, do I have to go try it? Yeah. Um, and then I had to apply it and think about it. Um, so it really comes down to how you learn. And also if you are struggling and you're in that really strange spot where you want to stop because consequences are great, but, but you also like it still, you have two things to do. One is challenge the perceived benefits, read chapter 17 through 20, read chapters eight through 10. Yes. Um, those are those. And there's others. 16 is a great one. 16 is great. 21 is great. Yep. It's all about reframing 15. If you're trying, if you're beating yourself up, mm -hmm. if you, you know, you went out and you're like, I, cause you really want the moderation. You really want to see value in just having a couple drinks. Um, most people, many people that want that, but don't, don't seem to be able to do it are beating themselves up about it. Now, anybody can moderate, but some people don't want to some, moderate. You don't want to. Yeah. You want to not have the consequences, but you still like being drunk, right? The, pr the proof is in your actions. Yes. Because actions are an expression of what's in your mind. Yes. And everything emanates from an idea in your mind. So if you hang on to perceived benefits of heavy use, you're not going to moderate. Yes. Now I moderate. I had a Miller light, three quarters of a Miller light last night <laughs> as I watched stranger things and, and it was quite enjoyable. Um, I'm but, sure. but people might say, why would, did you only have three quarters? Because that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't care. And this is coming from a guy that used to drink almost a fifth of vodka or, or, you know, have hard liquor a night. So, um, so just know that, that it isn't, it isn't, uh, a cut and dry process. For some of you, you may have to just stop long enough while you're learning yep. and while you're evolving and then challenge your thoughts, challenge whether you can be happy even when you're bored, even when you're anxious, even when you're sad and miserable. Sometimes that you can be sober doing that and say, oh, it's okay. It is okay. I'll be okay. I'll be all right. And actually I'm getting through this a lot better than if I was shit faced. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So benefits, 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 benefits. That's what we're talking about. Benefits of not doing it, benefits of doing it. That those are the comparisons that you're making. And there, and it may be, a, and it may be a very tight little thing like that just it's, it's, you know, you're weighing it out and it's so close. Why not run that experiment of, okay, I'm going to give this abstinence thing a fair shake and, and really stick it out and move on with my life as if alcohol is not important to me anymore. That's so let me jump in there. Cause that's what Steve did. Yes. So when Steve came to the retreat in 2000, 1999, 2000, Steve Slate, the other co-author, um, he still really liked getting high on heroin. Yeah. He was, he, he was pretty shot and, and living a hard, 
you know, sort of the junky stereotype life. Yeah, he'd been in and out of rehab. Yeah, yeah been arrested, spent time in jail. Like he he'd run the gamut. And and he didn't know if he could be happy without it. And so we gave him a simple challenge. We said, "Don't do it for a year." And this isn't the meetings for a year. Right. No, no. Mindless meetings. (laughs) No, me and Clayton sat him down. Clayton was one of my instructors at the time. And he said, listen, uh, see if you can be happier by not getting the experiment. Just run it for a year. Just try. And Steve was like, I can do that. I got nothing going on. My life is in the can right now. Um, And he found that he could be much happier. Yeah, he and, found it out relatively quickly yeah. because he didn't wait. That's the other part of that. I think sometimes, especially if you're you're going doing the 12-step meeting thing or, you know, you just got to white knuckle it. So I think sometimes people put it down and then they like, wait. Yeah. When, what's going to change? What's going to change? I'm supposed to be happier. Why am I not happier? Why am I not happier? Why am I not happier? Instead of just going out and living your life. Yeah. And trying new things. Right. Yeah. And, and, and making those attempts. Here's the point. If you want to change, you got to change. Yeah, sometimes it's it's just a matter of okay, I'm going to set this aside for for a while and figure this out. Yeah, you got to change. You got to be willing to look at it differently. You got to be willing to change your mind about things. Open your mind. Yeah, that's what I say to people. A lot of people tell me, "Oh, my mind is open." I'm like, I don't think it is. I, it's it's uh, clearly it, you have some kind of belief that you can't be happy without it without doing it the way you're doing it. Um, all I'm asking you to do is open your mind to the possibility that you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That's mm-hmm. perfect. So the point is it's, it's a gray thing in the beginning. It's it not, is. there's no, I, I think in our groups, people are, we push challenging the benefits, yeah. the perceived benefits. So important. Because that's the linchpin. Mm-hmm. That's if you don't do that, you can't move past this. Um, but, not that you you won't, but but the won't. path, right? You won't. The path to get there is varied, yeah. And sometimes, like Michelle, she had to discipline herself to just kind of sit in that garage and mull over life and and see if she could be happier. And then eventually, she embarked on a whole different. But even lifestyle. when I was doing that, don't don't misunderstand. I didn't sit in the garage and not do anything for two months. I went to work every day. Um, I did go to a meeting with everyone. That was the low point of my day every goddamn day. Yeah, if anything that held you back. It did. It was terrible. Um, that was when I would sit in the garage. We'd get back for the That's meeting true. and I would be That's like, true. oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this the rest of my life. And really suicide started, like death started to look like a way better option. Um, but I also, I did maybe not so much. I, I did socialize. I did, mm-hmm. I you were part of the group. I was. Yeah, we so were we were fun. doing things and and I'm not somebody that when we'd be out having fun that I would be broody and I didn't like that kind of attention. If I was going to be broody, I'd be by myself. Um so so I did put myself out there on a daily basis. Yes, yeah, you did. You did. So then there was my situation where I I did what she's talking about, but I was doing it drunk. I was mulling over in my mind who I was going to be, how I was going to change my life. And and I was also mulling over the fact that alcohol did not work. Yeah, how, you were already figuring that out. Yeah. I had, so when, when I had the car accident, I said, I'm done. I knew. I was yep. like, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for something cataclysmic. I don't know why I did that because I was young and dumb. You know, um, I and I believed I had to hit rock bottom because I grew up because in because you grew up in that we're, we're role model, a, yeah, a horrible thing. God, yeah, horrible. I could have killed people. Yeah. So, um, 
And then you have Steve that came in, was coerced to come to our retreat by his family. And he thought it was just another rehab. And then we gave him the challenge and he saw that it was different and it was positively based and his life took off. Yeah. Radically. Yeah. Yeah. He changed. And he talks about this even in, um, I think it's chapter 23 of the book uh, where where he talks about it. He did in that first year experiment, he experimented with, with alcohol, experimented with heroin again. And I want to say maybe amphetamines or something like he, he like was like, Oh, it wasn't as good as I remember it. But I think that, that the reason that there was such a juxtaposition between his old use and the use he had after a year was because he had learned how to be happy without it. Yes. And the luster of it was nothing. Right. He realized, oh, wow, this level of happiness that I settled, I had settled for a level of happiness that was way less than what I have now. That's right. So, so it's important. Your, your path may be completely different. The, The point is to be willing to be happier trying new things, moving forward, motivation. We call it life movements, motion, right? Moving forward um, and challenging those perceived benefits at the same time. And if you do that, you're going to walk out of this and you're going to move on with your life. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And I want to thank the people that, I mean, our group is so tremendous um, because there are- the Freedom Model Group. The Freedom Model Group on Facebook is a totally private group. Um, there are there are some great members who have worked through. I mean, the, we started that group. I want to say 2018 or 2019. The book was released in 2017. So there are a good group of people on there that have gone through all of this already and really worked through it. And everybody has a little bit different experience doing it. That's why I think it's so tremendous. Um, and and they they're like, oh yeah, I struggled for this month long. We're going back and forth trying to figure this out. And a lot of these people kind of stepped out of the recovery world. And so they have that experience. And I just I think it's they're kind like they're kind and helpful and not judgmental. And I I just want to thank the people that have that have been helpful to the newer members coming in who may be struggling. I I think to that point, I want to end with one real important piece, and that is do not dabble in AA and the mm. Freedom Model simultaneously. Uh, that's going to screw you up oh, in a God. massive way. You have to be willing to let go of Take fear. The leap, yeah. Because the whole AA 12-step recovery treatment therapeutic model is based in fear and lies. And when they talk about willingness, they're talking about something very different. We're saying be be willing to open your mind and move forward and learn new information. They're saying being willing to accept you have a disease that you can't get rid of. Right. And go to meetings. Polar opposites. They they couldn't be. So if you're going to dabble in both, you're going to fall to what you know. Yeah, you're gonna fall right back into the recovery model, being frightened, and they're gonna fear you right back into compliance, and eventually you're gonna fail at that too, and then it's on your shoulders, and you're gonna feel like a big fat failure. Yeah, um, you don't have to go through all that. No, let go of the AA recovery thing, learn the freedom model, and then have the courage to move in that direction. I guarantee your life will improve. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think we're going to end with that. Thank you, everyone, for all your participation in the groups. Um, Remember, you can join Freedom Model International membership, one low monthly subscription 
cost. It's $39.95 a month. And you can keep that membership as long as you want. You have access to uh, the the Freedom Model online program, which is our video lessons. There's over, I think, 65 video lessons. Each one is 15 to 20 minutes long. Um, and it takes you right through the book. It also has Life Movements, The Binge Construct, Mark's Great Lesson on the Mind and the Brain. Um, and it has access to the Freedom Model for the Family online program. So if you have a family member that doesn't scared for you to leave AA, um, let them know. They can go on there and watch that as well. Um, it, you have access to all the digital downloads of the books and the audio book. There's also, for those of you that have dabbled in AA or were a part of that, oh, right. there's the, the five-part series that I did. Uh, on AA and yeah, why you, the history, and the history, and I go through their finances and I go through all the different angles and I, I go through uh, using their own words, Bill Wilson's own voice and words to, to tell the story of how he built the cult and why, yeah. and basically why you shouldn't go. Right. Um, and that's helpful for, for people with families that are pushing them to go to recovery as well. You have a resource that you can say, Hey mom, watch this. Hey, dad, watch this. Um, or your therapist who might be pushing you in that direction. You can say, you know what? You need to, you need to watch these seminars. Let's get it on my phone right now and, and watch this and, and that they'll be blown away. Yes. Um, so there's that. And, um, also every week there's a brand new, what have we learned this week? Video lesson from one of the certified instructors, freedom model instructors. Um, and then, there's a newsletter, which is tremendous, which has, yeah. uh, you know, book reviews, um, reviewing current research, um, and some inspirational stories. Um, and then we, once a month, the last Wednesday of every month from 3 PM to 5 PM Eastern time, Mark and I will do a members only live webinar question and answer where it's through zoom and, um, and you can log on at any point during that three to that two hour block and, you know, click the raise your hand and, and we'll have you, you'll be talking directly to us. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun. We basically do classes with people we do, we uh, do. live. Yeah. So I think that the next one is going to be, I think it's June 29th from, it's a Wednesday. So I think that is a Wednesday from three to 5 PM Eastern time. And we're in New York. So that's New York time. If you're somewhere around the world, we've had people log in from Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's amazing. It's it amazing. It's it a is. And then we, lastly, we have a free Facebook live that has nothing to do with the membership um, that Daniel and uh, Daniel Plorge and Matthew Sparks, two of our certified instructors. They're great. Yeah, they had that up. And <laughs> so they'll answer your questions right there on uh, the Freedom Model page on Facebook, also on the Freedom Model YouTube channel. Um, I think it's yeah, actually- subscribe, by the way, and hit like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, to our YouTube it, channel. It spread the and message. That's free. So, you know, any questions you submit in any one of our groups, um, you know, or you can send it right through uh, a question right through the Freedom Model uh, Facebook page, you know, just a or Instagram page, just a private message. Um, they will answer those for you. And it, please rate our podcast as well. That helps uh, the algorithm uh, yeah. so that it gets to more people. Yes. Yes. Thank you, everyone. We hope you have a great week. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.